John chapter 10, starting in verse 3, it says this, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Many times in Scripture, Jesus refers to himself as the shepherd, and he refers to us as sheep, right? And so he says, And the sheep listen to his voice. He, the shepherd, calls his own sheep by name. He knows your name. And leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Wow. I shared in week one about a video I watched. I think it was on YouTube. There was uh, some shepherds. It's a modern-day thing. Some shepherds in another country had brought all their flocks together, and they met on this road. And, and so all of a sudden, these thousands of sheep just start getting all mixed up. And they all belong to different herds. And, I, and when I saw them mixed up, I was like, <laughs> good luck with that. And then they, they talked for a little while, and then the shepherds walked away, and they made a call. And after all those thousands of sheep were mixed together, they all followed the voice of their own shepherd. It was really a cool thing to watch. So it's important for us to, number one, know that God speaks. And we didn't, we didn't come at this series trying to convince you that God speaks. God speaks. It's just whether or not we're listening. Amen? And he speaks to everybody. He spoke to one guy through a donkey in the Old Testament, and I cleaned that up for you. I want to sit down. <laughs> but God speaks. The question is, is can we listen? Dallas Willard made this statement. He said, if God doesn't speak today, then we do people a great disservice by telling them that God wants to be in a relationship with them. Why would God want to be in a relationship with you if he doesn't speak? Why would you want to be in a relationship with him if God doesn't speak? It'd be like me bringing a guy in here saying, hey, this guy right here, he's the wisest guy in the whole universe. No one is greater than him. No one, he can fix anything. He can heal anything. Oh, and he wants to be in a relationship with you, but he don't speak. We do people an injustice if we tell them that God wants to be in a relationship, but he don't speak. Amen? But he don't speak. God speaks the question is is, are you listening so look at your neighbor and say listen up some of you wanted to say that for a while god wants to have a relationship with you and listen to me relationships require communication you can sit on the front porch and be quiet as a married couple if you've been married for 30 years or longer if you're doing it younger than that it's just awkward you're probably mad at each other If you're in a relationship, it requires communication. Some people say, ah, my wife and I, we're like best friends. We can just sit in silence. Yeah, bro, she's dying, okay? She's dying because you ain't talking. Good place to say amen, ladies. I don't know. I mean, I I set you up and you just, never mind. So the question is not if God wants to speak to you. The question is more, do you want to hear from him? Because here's the truth. I don't know who this is for, but some of you don't want to hear from God. Some of you are scared to hear from God. Let me tell you why. Because of your your image of God, your perspective of God is mixed up. You think God is a God of thunderbolts and lightning. 
that he's a judging God that has a big old hammer and he wants to crack you across the top of the head. So you don't want to hear from him. In fact, you've spent most of your life dodging him because you think he's mad at you. The Bible says that God is a God of love. And then when you love people, you do correct them. But God's not quick to pass judgment, and we ought to be very grateful for that. Amen. He's patient, and he's gentle, and he's kind. But because your view of God is mixed up, you don't want to hear from him. Because, And I've heard people say this one, God just wants to take away all my fun. God don't want me to have a good time. He's not a fun God. Really? I'm having a blast. (laughs) It depends on your view of God. If you understand that God is a God of love and that he cares about you and he's for you and not against you, then you go, I want to hear from him. Amen? I want to hear from God. You know why it's important to read your Bible? And by the way, this is one way that God speaks to us. But you know why it's important to read your Bible? Because your Bible doesn't tell you where to eat at or who to marry. But it tells you who God is and shows you his heart. It's a love letter from God to us. And when you read this, you start to gain a different perspective of God's heart and how he sees you and who he is. So then you can open your ears and want to hear from him because he's a good God. But if you don't read this, you're going to believe he's a bad God. You're going to believe everything everybody told you. Listen, I had some jacked up Sunday school teachers. One of them would torture us when we went in there. He would put pins in our hands like ink pins. He would grab us with these military moves and twist our ear. I'm like, that's not God. Of course, we weren't acting like God either, but still, he was the grown-up in the room, right? But if I never read my Bible, I would always see God how they portrayed him. Amen, Pastor. I need to read my Bible. Every follower of Jesus needs to read their Bible consistently. I'm excited. I got six days left to finish up the one-year Bible chronological. I'm so anxious to jump ahead. This is a big deal for me. I'm not bragging because I'm that good. I'm just that bad. I'm bragging because I'm that bad. I'm not a good reader. I don't like to read, but I've 359 days I've been reading my Bible. Some of you are going, well, yeah, you're the pastor. (laughs) Shut up. So let's talk about why God speaks. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Uh, Jesus had a name. His name was Jesus. They were told to name him Jesus. It It was his true name was Jesus, but he had this nickname of a sort. It was called Emmanuel. And so he was named, his name was Jesus, but he was known as Emmanuel. So his name was Jesus, but he was known as God with us, right? So when you give your life to Jesus, he is with you. You getting this? 
So he is with you. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. He is with me. Say, he's with me. So God speaks to facilitate, watch this, friendship. God speaks to facilitate friendship. Exodus thirty three eleven says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one who speaks to a friend. Now, these are one of the things that blows my mind in Scripture, is that God would call me his friend. He would call me his friend. He's called many people in the Bible his friend. It speaks of a relationship. The type of relationship we can have with God is the type of a friendship type of relationship we can have with him. I don't know if you knew that today, but you can be a friend of God. Before you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible says you were an enemy of God. And now you've become a friend of God. Isn't that exciting? You don't look excited. (laughs) I just told you, you went from an enemy to a friend. So his name is Emmanuel, and God speaks to facilitate this friendship, and he wants to be in a relationship with us. I think God wants to be in a relationship with us more than we want to be in a relationship with him. I think he's desperate to be in a relationship with us. He's longing and yearning to be in a a communicating relationship with you. He wants to hear your voice. And he wants to have your ear. Can I declare that this morning, that God wants your ear. Wants your relationship. That's how much he likes you. God speaks to facilitate friendship. God also speaks to give guidance. How many of you say, I could use a little guidance? Come on, I could have used some this week. (laughs) He speaks to give us guidance. You see, the cool thing about God is he knows the end from the beginning. (laughs) Holla. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows the traps you're getting ready to walk into. He knows the pitfalls that are up ahead. He knows the places where you're going to have to really be careful and calm down and really listen to him. He knows the, 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 the places where you can trip and fall as a believer. He knows those places. He sees when the enemy puts a trap in front of you. And he wants to guide us. But too many of us fall into a trap and we turn around and we look at God like, bro, what's up? And he's going, I'm trying to guide you. Let me guide you. He speaks to give us guidance. You've got to remember God has the greater perspective of things. And if we'll trust him, he'll guide us. Proverbs 3, 6 from the message translation says that listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He is the one who will keep you on track. Who's going to keep you on track? God is. How does God keep us on track? He doesn't use bumper rails like at the bowling alley where you're just walking, boom, in this circumstance and boom, this circumstance. And oh, I'm going to make it to heaven one way or the other. That ain't how God works. He speaks to us. He gives us guidance. He's the one that keeps us on track. Don't turn left. Oh, but I want to turn left. No, don't turn left. But it feels good to turn left. No. He speaks to give us guidance. We'll listen in everything we do and everywhere we go. He will keep us on track. 
Can I tell you, it's his responsibility to keep us on track, but it's our responsibility to listen. And not only listen, but do what he says. Man, if God says stop, you ought to stop. (laughs) Right? If God says, whoa, hit the brakes. But it looks like it's going to be fun. It's going to leave a mark. So God speaks to facilitate friendship. God speaks to give guidance. God speaks to provide, provide perspective. You see, not everything that you see, not everything that you can see is what's going on. You got to understand this. I want to teach you something real quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I want to teach you something. What you can see is what's going on in the natural realm. Okay, but I want to make you aware that there's another realm. It's called the supernatural realm. The Bible says that there's a war going on in the heavenly places with principalities of darkness and rulers of darkness. There's a war going on that you can't see. All we can see is what's in front of us in the natural world. But God speaks to give us a perspective of what's going on in the supernatural world. Why is that important? Because if you live only by what you can see, then you're going to stay distracted to the bigger picture. Let me explain that. If you live your life according to everything that you can see naturally, you miss out that what's in front of you is not the thing that you need to be involved in. That what's in front of you can sometimes be a distraction. That the thing that popped up all of a sudden was there to take your eyes off of the greater thing that God wanted to do. It was a supernatural trick of the enemy. I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have been on our way to do marriage counseling or to lead a life group or to do something, and the enemy would always try to throw something in front of us. And if we're not careful and we don't have a different perspective, we'll, we'll, we'll miss the course and follow the thing that the enemy throws in front of us, and we'll miss the boat. Amen? We'll still make it to the marriage counseling. We'll still make it to the life group, but we're empty-handed. Why? Because we took the distraction, we took the bait. We followed our eyes and not our ears. Come on. We followed our eyes and not our ears. He wants to speak to give us a different perspective. So listen to me, as you mature in Christ, when things happen to you in the natural, it tends to affect you less. It comes with maturity. Come on, I used to freak out about every little thing. Flat tire. Oh, my God, I got a flat tire. Somebody says something. Oh, they ain't talking about me. I can't believe it. Finally, I go, you know what? That's just something the enemy's trying to do. You know what? Forget that mess. I'm not getting caught up in this. This is trying to steal my, my perspective. It's trying to take my perspective away from what God wants to do and put it on something else that the enemy wants to do. Right? So as I've matured, I've learned to go, Psh, making sense he speaks to give us a different perspective and by the way maturing is not a bad thing because some of you when I said that you heard oh you're calling me immature 
No, that's not what I said. I said when you mature and as you mature, just like I'm maturing, you're going to start to see things a little differently. (laughs) Just had to kind of come around your offense there for a second. Just felt the need. God wants to reveal some things to you that are going on in the supernatural world. He reveals them by his spirit. He helps you to see some things sometimes with faith and not with your eyes. You see, he calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 is where it says that. It says, walk, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So watch this. Walking by what you can see requires the minimal amount of faith. Walking by what you can't see requires much faith. So some of you only do what you can understand. You only step into what you know. You only will, will try something new if you know what the outcomes. You're overcalculated. And God's saying, close your eyes, listen to my voice, and just step into it. It's called faith. Right? That's how Peter walked on water. Come on, somebody. He had, to, he had to shut his mind off. He had to close his natural eyes and put his foot out and step. And when the first foot held up, he took another step, and that foot held up, right? Some of us are so scared in the boat, we can't step. God gives you the ability to walk on water, but you can't because you're overcalculated. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but your mind runs your life. And God's saying, shut it off. Use your ears more than you use your eyes. Follow me with your ears, not your eyes. You ever jumped off the high dive before? You remember, right? Come on, somebody. You was way up there, and all you and you told your buddies, "I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it." And you're up there, and you got you got this going on, and you're trying not to pee, right? And you're kind of like, "I'm coming." What do you do? Close your eyes. Can I tell you to close your eyes and open your ears? Follow God with your ears and not your eyes. Can I say that this morning? God wants us to respond more to what we hear than what we see. God will let you see some supernatural things if you'll listen. If you listen, he'll let you see some things in the other realm. So now we know why God speaks. He speaks to facilitate friendship. He speaks to give guidance and he speaks to provide a perspective. Let's talk about the whispers of God. Our verse here is 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 to 12. It's Elijah. He just, he just saw God do an incredible miracle. He, he executed a bunch of false prophets, had this great spiritual victory. And all of a sudden, depression comes over him, and he gets scared, the Bible says, and he takes off running. And I just want to tell you as believers, a lot of times when you get a great victory, you need to be aware that there's going to come, a, there's going to come at you a great oppression. That the enemy wants to scare you after you've had a victory. Why? It's a sucker punch. It's like you knocked him out. The ref called. The ref counted to 10. He's out. The bell rang. But he gets up and hits you in the back of the head. That's what happened to Elijah. He was depressed. And he ran for his life, the Bible says, because a woman said she was going to kill him. Now, I know women kill people. That's that's understandable. But 
he ran. He ran and he finds himself in a cave. And, and the verse before this, God says to him, what are you doing there? And he tried to explain why he was hiding. So we pick it up in verse 11. It says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So he's saying, get ready, I'm going to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And that's where the Lord was. I spent the first half of my Christianity waiting for God to give me some big bang voice that I would hear him. All I could, all I could pay attention to was the big bang things of God. And I would miss out on the daily consistent whispers of God. He's in the whispers. He's not in the earthquake. He's in the whispers. Come on, somebody. He's in the whispers. And I believe this, that God is encouraging us all day long, which brings me to point one. He whispers encouragement. And I'm telling you, I believe this to be true, that he whispers encouragement to us all day long. Does the enemy come after you all day? Well, then God's encouraging you all day. But you see, Christians are some funny people. Say Christians are funny. I'm not talking about ha-ha funny. I'm talking about woo funny. They're funny people because, you see, you go through a little trial or tribulation and you got a little stress in your life and nobody calls you, nobody FaceTimes you, nobody texts you, hey, girl, praying for you, uh, it's going to be okay. And then you're just walking through your thing and nobody reaches out to you. What happens? You get mad at those people. People leave a church if the pastor don't call them whenever they have a crisis. And I'm sitting here mad. I'm going, what you talking about? You mad at me? Did you listen to God who encourages us all day? Did you tune your ear into him and let him encourage you? By the way, I'm not God. Listen, I come to that realization a long time ago. I'm not God. I won't call you when you need me to call you sometimes. I'm not always going to have the right words of encouragement for you. But listen to me. God does. God does. He knows exactly what you need to hear. And he knows how to encourage you. Because every one of you are so unique that only he can figure out how to encourage you. Isn't that good? If we'll just listen. But you see, it requires responsibility to do that. It requires discipline to do that. But I would just rather somebody call me and tell me to have a good day. Well, you might live with a little bit of disappointment. Because not everybody always calls. Right? I believe God whispers encouragement to us all day. All day. There's many times I'm sitting in my quiet time and the Holy Spirit will put one of you on my heart and he'll say, go ahead and call him. And I do my best to hear his voice and listen to what he says. But can I just be honest with you? I miss it sometimes. Sometimes I miss it. He whispers encouragement. He sees you as part of his family. Maybe the reason Christians are so discouraged is because we don't know how to get encouragement from God. You know you can get encouragement from the scriptures? 
You ever been in a bad day and you say, and none of your friends are calling? Come on. None of your friends are calling. And you're fighting not to get mad at them because God's trying to encourage you not to be mad at them, but you're still not listening. And you open your Bible and you get a word from the scriptures. You're my child. You're dearly loved. You ever get that? Encouragement comes through the scriptures too, y'all. Comes through God's voice too. Amen? So he whispers encouragement. Romans 8.16 says the Holy Spirit speaks to us in our heart and tells us that we are God's children. I believe God's constantly trying to remind us that we are his kids. You see, nobody has to remind him that he's our father, but we got to be reminded that we're his kids, right? That we still belong in the house, that we still have a seat at the table. Listen to me. God is not too quick to kick you out of the family, and he even knows what you did last night. Isaiah 55.3 says, pay attention, come close now, listen carefully to my, watch this, to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. What is, what is God's encouragement in that verse? To pay attention, to come close now, and to listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. I used to have an old guy that discipled us, and we would go to this conference once a year in Wichita Falls, Texas, at this retreat center. And we all looked forward to spending, God, spending time with this guy. I think his name was Harvey. And he was just like a guy, when you, when you saw him, if you had any kind of understanding, you, it looked like he was walking around with an 18-wheeler load of God's wisdom. I mean, he experienced so much in his life that we would, we would wait in line to sit at the table and listen to this guy just tell us stories of what God's done. And it was the coolest thing ever because he just had goods. I mean, he had like the, the goods of God. And so we would all get around these tables, and I'm telling you, he did this on purpose. He would whisper his stories. And so after about 30 minutes, everybody's like out their seat, up on the table, trying to get their ear across the table, and you don't ever say, huh, because he acts like he don't hear you. And he just, you say, well, Pastor, he was probably deaf. No, he wasn't deaf because I heard him talking after that, and he talked loud. So he was doing something on purpose. He was trying to get us to listen. Right? Because you see, in order to hear a whisper, you got to get real quiet. In order to hear a whisper, you got to get real quiet. I spent most of my Christianity asking God to speak up. He spent most of my Christianity asking me to listen up and to quiet down. Making sense? And so God doesn't have a talking problem. We have a hearing problem. But he whispers to us encouragement. He's constantly reminding us that we're his children. He says things like this, you're my child. I love you. I'm proud of you. Have you ever found yourself not wanting to hear from God because you were afraid he was going to say something that you didn't want to hear? Come on, show me your hands if you've ever done that. Okay. So number two, he whispers warnings. A little bit of Christianese for you. Christians use this word or this phrase a lot of times. They say, I got to check in my spirit. You ever heard that one? I got to check about that. I got to check in my spirit. That's actually, the phrase isn't biblical, but the, the thought behind it is. And it's found in, in Acts chapter 16. And it says that Paul and them were trying to go somewheres. They were trying to go to Asia to preach the gospel. 
But watch what it says, verse 6. For they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. God whispers warnings to us. And if you don't listen, you fall into traps. You stumble. You fall when you don't listen. It's like your kids when they're young and they're just starting to walk around and you're barbecuing or balling crawfish. And you got to teach them the whole hot lesson, right? Come on. This is how we did it in my house. They, you see them. And it's, it's, it's like danger is a magnet to a toddler, right? It's like there could be a steaming hot pot. You set them on the ground and go, Right? So then you jump out your chair, you rescue them, and then what we did is we would take their hand and we would put it real close to the hot thing and we go, hot, hot, no, no, hot. And then they look up and they go, hot, hot. And then they spend the rest of the day, hot, mommy, hot. <laughs> right? I wonder if that's what God does with us sometimes. It's like we'll do something and he said not to do. We'll fall flat on our face and he'll go, hot. <laughs> and then before we're too long, we're telling every believer or first person, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't. that's hot. Right? He whispers warnings to us. And thank God that he warns us. Amen? I mean, dear goodness, he whispers to us. There was times when I was a businessman that I wanted to join with another guy and do a project. And the Holy Spirit would give us a check in the spirit. We would pray over it, and he would say, no, I don't want you to do that. We're going, But we're not, like, legally joining teams. He would say, no, I don't want you to do that. And then we would do the project, not together, but separately. And every time something would come out. There was a character issue or there was something that he was doing under the table. And God would say to us, I told you no because I didn't want your reputation to get messed up. You're my child. I don't want you to do that. I'm protecting you. Can I tell you that when God's warning you, it's a protection for you? Don't do it. Maybe he's telling you to break up with that person. Maybe he's telling you to end the secret. Maybe he's telling you to let the cat out the bag. You know what the cat is? The cat is your hurts, wounds, and your stuff that you've been walking around with for so long. And listen to me, you serve a loving God who doesn't like to see his children hurting. And he wants to touch that situation and he wants to heal you, but you're keeping it so tight to yourself and you're keeping the secret to yourself that you can't ever get healing because you're controlling the thing. And he's saying to you, would you just let the secret out? Because the scriptures say that if you'll confess your sins one to another and pray for each other, you will be healed. Now, what it did not say was confess your sins on Facebook and then everybody's going to pray for you because they're not going to pray. They're going to share because that's what people do on Facebook. They share your stuff. But I promise you this. God puts people in our lives that we can confess things to and they'll love us enough to pray for us. Some of the greatest things about life groups happen in the the, the, the front yard after the life group. When somebody was scared to share in a group of 10 people, 
what they're walking through, but they felt like they could trust one other person, and they grabbed them in the front yard, and they said, hey, can I share something with you? And the person would say, yes, you can, and they would, they would share their secret. And then the person would pray for them, and the scriptures would come true. If we'll confess our sins one to another and pray for each other, we may be healed, Right? Because you see, a loving God don't like for his kids to be wounded very long. Your kids got a bobo, what do you do? You do everything you can to heal it up, right? You, you, get, you drop everything to heal. That's the way God loves us. He wants to touch the things in our life. You're struggling with a sin. He don't want you to walk around with that. The devil tells you if you confess it, everybody's going to talk about you. But God says if you'll confess it, I can heal it. Are you picking up what I'm throwing down? He whispers warnings to us. Maybe he's telling us to get help. You can't do this by yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't do this by yourself. You think you can, but you can't. I'm I'm, going to test you. How many of you believe the Bible to be true? 100% true. Okay. The Bible says that as as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. So that must be true. I got you in a headlock. You don't let other people into your life and you don't get help. I'm going to say it with a smile. Now, you're dull. You're dull. You're not very sharp. He saved more than one person so that we could help each other out. The disciples had to help each other out. Thank God Peter had some friends after he denied Jesus and backslid back to fishing, and they were able to go get him from the boat and said, the master wants you back. Thank God he had somebody that was willing to tell him what God thought about him. Amen? So he whispers warnings to us. Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Number three, God whispers direction. Luke chapter 2 verse 27 says, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. The Holy Spirit moved Simeon to go into the temple courts and pray for Jesus. Paul was compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. You see that in Acts chapter 20. It says, now compelled by the Spirit, Paul says, I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to go. I'm going going. I don't know what's going to happen. You see, walking by faith means you don't know what's going to happen next, but when God says to go, you just go. Can I stress that a little bit more this morning? That when God says to lay this down or let this go or pick this up or do that, listen, you need to do it even if you can't understand it. You got to do it. He's not going to give you the understanding until you get into it. You didn't understand what it was like to be a parent until after you started parenting. 
In fact, you didn't even wait to make a baby till you understood. <laughs> you got you one of them cheering, and then you got it home, and you're like, what the heck are we going to do now? But then you got the understanding, right? Sometimes you only get the understanding in the process of doing what God's told you to do. Paul said it. He said, I'm compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I have no idea what's going to happen to me there, but that's where I'm going. Maybe God's saying to you this morning, slow down. Maybe he's saying you got too many irons in the fire. Maybe he's saying you got too many things going on. You're so busy, I can't even get your attention. So to some of you, God is saying this morning, slow down. But let me warn you, that word's not for all of you because some of you are slow already. So he would say to you, get up and do something. He would say, you need to speed up a little bit. Get your foot off the brake. Stop being so scared and go do something. Do it now. Maybe he's telling you to take your next step. What's your next step that God's leading you to take? So number one, God whispers encouragement. Number two, he whispers warnings. Number three, he whispers direction. And then number four, he whispers dreams. God will put a dream in you that will scare the mess out of you. If you ever want to know if something's from God, are you scared or not? It's the question you need to ask yourself. Because God doesn't give you something that you can handle up on your own. He gives you something that's going to require you to lean into him. Amen? If you want to know if it's from God, does it scare you? Is the question you need to ask. God put a dream in my heart to be a business owner, showed me different things along the way. When he put that dream in my heart, I was scared. I was scared to do it by myself. And so he brought somebody alongside of me to go into business with. But God gave me, before we went into business, he gave me different images and clips of things that would happen along the way. Kind of like trailers to a movie, right? You see the trailers, you go, oh, that's going to be a good movie. God put those trailers in me, that was the dream he gave me. And I was like, this is going to be good. Now, it's funny. He never shows you the bad stuff. He just shows you the good stuff. But the funny thing is, is that when I followed the dream and I got into the business, it seemed like every time I was at a point of discouragement and quit, I would see that image again. It would be right in front of me. And it was his way to say, you see, I told you this was going to happen. I told you you would be here. Just keep on going. You're doing the right thing. He whispers in dreams to us. The same thing happened when I became a pastor. He, he gave me the dream to be a pastor. He showed me buildings. He showed me people. Some of you were in those dreams. And when I'm at my lowest points and I want to quit, it seems like a trailer pops up. And I go, oh, I guess I'm on the right track. Job 33, verse 14 says, For God speaks again and again. He speaks in dreams and visions of the night. I haven't had many dreams while I was sleeping. I've had a few nightmares, but even the devil can't mess with me because I usually sleep too hard. So God can't speak to me in my dreams because I sleep too hard. I haven't had many dreams like that. I know people that have. Acts chapter 2 says this, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Say all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Can I tell you, we're closer to the end than we've ever been. Just in the currency of time, we're closer to the end than we've ever been. The clock, the, the clock keeps ticking, which means we keep getting closer and closer to the time where God says, go get my kids, boy. And Jesus comes down and gets us, right? We're closer. But here's the, I'll go even further. Most theologians believe today that there's more signs of the end times that have been fulfilled at one time than ever before in history. Can I tell you that we're close to the end? But God's promise is, is in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. You're going to dream dreams. God's going to begin to give you visions. He's going to begin to whisper to you. Why? Because you're the solution to the world's problems. He's going to give you solutions for problems that you couldn't fix on your own. He's going to give you dreams and visions. He's going to give you things to change the world around you if you listen. If you'll see with your ears and not your eyes, he'll give you a solution at work that you're not even qualified to give. You didn't even have enough education. You'll step up and say, well, what if we try this? And everybody step back and go, who you stole that from? You're his solution. I mean, think about it. How does God reach unsaved people? How does God change the world? Through you. Through me. How did he touch your life? Probably through somebody else. How did your marriage get healed? God wants to give you dreams and visions. We're in the last days, people, and he's pouring out his spirit. Says your daughters are going to prophesy. You know what that means? It's not a weird word. It just means they're going to tell you what God's thinking. (laughs) And the current moment. (laughs) Your old men are going to dream dreams. Your young men are going to see visions. What if he would say to you today, I want you to go all in. I want you to give God your best. What if he's whispering you, I want you to make a difference in somebody else's life. You've been so focused on your life and everybody making a difference in yours. How about you start making a difference in somebody else's? Because you see, there's a strange thing that happens whenever we put ourselves to the side and we start serving and loving other people that the things that we used to wrestle with become strangely dim. When we serve and we help and we start to make a difference in other people's lives. So how do we end this all this morning? With this, we need to posture ourselves to hear from God. Posture is just basically how you're sitting right now. You see how all of you are sitting? And, and Doc, you'd probably confirm this. You're all sitting bad. Yep, you're sitting bad. Your spine's all jacked up and you're sitting bad. Lisa, you're doing pretty good. Hayden, you're doing good because you're sitting next to your grandma. But most of us need to posture ourselves to hear from God. 
We need to live with these words on our lips. Speak to me, Lord. Your servant is listening. I'm going to show you this in 1 Samuel. Samuel was 12 years old when he first heard God speak. Samuel was laying next to the altar sleeping. He was the closest place to God. He was at the altar sleeping, and he heard his voice, Samuel, Samuel. And he got up and ran into the next room and said, yes, sir. And he said, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He went back to bed. Four times that happens. He comes running in the room. Yes, sir. I didn't speak to you. The fourth time he says to him, he says, this time if you hear your name, just say these words. Lord, your servant is here. Speak to me. What if we just took from, from Samuel at 12 years old and we positioned and postured ourselves to say, Lord, your servant is here. Speak to me. We're looking for grand solutions, big bang things. What if we just simply said, Lord, I'm here, speak to me. Just speak, Lord. I've turned everything off. I've shut down the noise. Would you speak to me? Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. This, is, this, this needs to be our position. I'm open to hear and I'm eager to respond. I'm open to hear and I'm eager to respond. John 10, 27 says this, my sheep, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. 